talk about mental health matters and normal life talking about mental health. We will have licensed clinicians come in to talk about their specialties and the backside of therapy with conversations on phrases people use and why they're controversial, attachment styles, burnout, sex and intimacy issues, toxic relationships, trauma, and so much more. Follow us to get the inside scoop on all the topics people are too afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Laura Huckamacki, and I am the Director of Corporate Development for Michigan Psychological Care. Uploads will be coming every Monday. Let's dig in. Today's episode will be on phrases and words people use and why they're controversial. Let's start this off by saying I am not a licensed clinician. We will have licensed professionals come in to speak throughout our podcasts, and I do communicate with them throughout our studies to ensure proper information is being provided. Have you ever heard someone say, you're crazy, or told someone who is thin to eat a burger? We are working towards informing the public what phrases are and are not acceptable and what easy replacements may be. So let's start with those phrases we just provided. The name of our podcast, You're Not Crazy, came from knowing that most, if not everyone, has been told that they are crazy at some point in time. Crazy is not a diagnosis, symptom, or phrase used in the DSM. The DSM is a book, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, that allows us to look at symptoms to help diagnose mental disorders. Some things you could be diagnosed with are depression, anxiety, PTSD, bipolar disorder, etc. Crazy is not one. Some may harmlessly say, wow, that's crazy. And honestly, I'm guilty of that. A way to reword may to be using the word wild or unique. Wow, that's wild. Or he's so wild. She's so unique. Now, it's pretty difficult to say whether saying something is crazy rather than someone is crazy is an issue. I think it really boils down to the intention behind the phrasing. One of the therapists in our Midland office, Chris, had said, you can change the language, but it doesn't change the culture or meaning. What about earlier when we said that telling a thin person to eat a burger is not okay? Do you know that person? Do you know that they aren't eating enough? Do you know that they do or do not have an eating disorder? The reality is that you do not. Some people are naturally thin. Their genetics may keep them to a smaller size and frame. They may eat more than anyone you know and not gain a pound. This could be extremely frustrating for them to hear eat a burger because they may be comfortable in their weight and you're telling them that they shouldn't be. They may be trying to gain weight and just can't. Just as fat shaming is a thing, so is shaming someone for being too thin. Too thin is not a thing. Let's also look at those who are thin for health reasons. Do they have an eating disorder that you're playing into? Do they have hyperthyroidism? Do they have IBS, diabetes, depression? Many, many, many things play into someone's weight. So, eating disorders, anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating disorder, other specified FEDs, unspecified FEDs, avoidant and restrictive food intake disorders such as PICA and rumination disorders, etc. Telling someone who has an eating disorder to eat a burger may trigger them. Someone in recovery from an eating disorder may get triggered. Well, what about calling someone thin anorexic? Don't. Just don't. Eating disorders are nothing to joke about. We will have a whole episode on this in the future, specifically eating disorders, but they are not a matter for jokes. 
What other words and phrases can we think of? I asked some of our therapists at Michigan Psychological Care to throw words and phrases that clients use without realizing that they are stigmatizing mental health or using it without knowing the true definition and meaning. Two really heavy hitters were narcissist and bipolar. My ex is a narcissist. They're so bipolar. Tons of people think that their exes or fathers or mothers, etc. are narcissists. They may actually have narcissistic traits, but that doesn't make them a narcissist. What are some of the traits of someone with narcissistic personality disorder? Someone with narcissistic personality disorder, by definition of the Mayo Clinic, is narcissistic personality disorder is a mental health condition in which people have an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. They need and seek too much attention and want people to admire them. People with this disorder may lack the ability to understand or care about the feelings of others, but behind this mask of extreme confidence, they're not sure of their own self-worth and are easily upset by the slightest criticism. Narcissistic personality disorder causes problems in many areas of life, such as relationships, work, school, or financial matters. People with narcissistic personality disorder may generally be unhappy and disappointed when they're not given the special favors or admiration that they believe they deserve. They may find their relationships troubled and unfulfilling, and other people may not enjoy being around them. Treatment for narcissistic personality disorder centers around talk therapy, also called psychotherapy. Let's not forget that these symptoms and signs may be different for every person. Someone with narcissistic personality disorder is still a person and deserves respect, love, and care just as anyone else does. We want to steer clear of stigmatizing these symptoms and diagnoses. The symptoms have an unreasonably high sense of self-importance and require constant, excessive admiration. Feel that they deserve privileges and special treatment. Expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements. Make achievements and talents seem bigger than they are. Be preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty, or the perfect mate. Believe that they are superior to others and can only spend time with or be understood by equally special people. Be critical of and look down on people they feel are not important. Expect special favors and expect other people to do what they want without questioning them. Take advantage of others to get what they want. Have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. Be envious of others and believe others envy them. Behave in an arrogant way, brag a lot, and come across as conceited. Insist on having the best of everything. For instance, the best car or office, etc. At the same time, people with narcissistic personality disorder have trouble handling anything they view as criticism. They can become impatient or angry when they don't receive special recognition or treatment, have major problems interacting with others, and easily feel slighted, react with rage or contempt and try to belittle other people to make themselves appear superior, have difficulty managing their own emotions and behavior, experience major problems dealing with stress and adapting to change, withdraw from or avoid situations in which they may fail, feel depressed and moody because they fall short of perfection, have secret feelings of insecurity, shame, humiliation, and fear of being exposed as a failure. What does this look like? You're too good for me, whether or not they believe it, to keep you in the relationship using guilt. 
I love you so much I cannot live without you. You're crazy just like my exes. Well, what are the signs? Having a large circle of friends but being unable to sustain a deep connection. Exhibiting attention-seeking behavior. Asking for things from others without ever contributing. Hurting people's feelings and not taking responsibility. Causing problems within a group and blaming others for how they behave. Not caring about the emotions of others. Relying on others to help them through their negative emotions but never being there for their loved ones. Walking away from friendships and relationships when it no longer feeds their self-esteem. Spending time with people only when it benefits them. Constantly criticizing others openly or behind their back. Applying higher standards to others than they do themselves. All right, now take a step back. Do you feel yourself judging? Step back and wipe that bias away. A diagnosis or symptom is not a defining feature of a person as a whole. Let's move on to bipolar disorder now. They can't make up their mind. They're so bipolar. Oh boy. There are several different kinds of bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder 1, 2, cyclothymic, and other specified bipolar and related disorders, bipolar and related disorder due to another medical condition, and unspecified. Just because someone is happy or outgoing one second and rude and snappy another does not mean that they have bipolar disorder. Actually, let's pause. Let's go over how to identify when somebody has a mental health disorder. You don't say a bipolar or bipolar person. We say someone with bipolar disorder. Calling someone a bipolar person hints that that is the biggest characterizing feature of them when it's not. They have many other features and characteristics. Back to bipolar disorder. We will have a whole episode on bipolar disorder in the future to really get into the nitty gritty, but for now we're going to hit some basics. Per the DSM-5, the bipolar 1 disorder criteria represents the modern understanding of the classic manic depressive disorder or affective psychosis described in the 19th century. Differing from that classic description only to the extent that neither psychosis nor the lifetime experience of a major depressive episode is a requirement. However, the vast majority of people whose symptoms meet the criteria for a fully synomial manic episode also experience a major depressive episode during the course of their lives. Bipolar 2 disorder requires the lifetime experience of at least one major depressive episode and at least one hypomanic episode, but no history of mania. The diagnosis of cyclothymic disorder is given to adults who experience at least two years, for children a full year, of both hypomanic and depressive periods without ever fulfilling the criteria for an episode of mania, hypomania, or major depression. A large number of substances and conditions can be associated with manic-like phenomena which is recognized as substance-slash-medication-induced bipolar and related disorders and bipolar and related disorders due to another medical condition. There is also unspecified bipolar disorder. What else? Rather than using mentally ill person, you can say someone with a mental disorder. Rather than committed suicide, use died by suicide. Committed infers that they have done a crime. So they didn't commit a suicide, they died by suicide. Rather than substance abuse, substance use disorder, rather than multiple personality disorder, we now use dissociative identity disorder. We'll actually talk a little bit more on this topic in another podcast on the movie Split, 
And P.S. It's actually our next episode, so tune in next Monday. Rather than psycho, wacko or some other word used not to stigmatize a mental disorder. The same goes for the word retarded. When are people going to retire that word? Like stated before, we will have a whole episode on autism and ABA, but while we're at changing the phrases and words we use, let's talk quickly about the symbol we use to recognize autism. Do you still think of the puzzle piece? This has actually recently changed to a rainbow infinity sign. The puzzle piece has been associated with a company slash organization that has had a large amount of controversy surrounding it. The puzzle piece had symbolized that people with autism spectrum disorder needed to fit in with the rest of the world. Whereas the infinity sign signifies neurodiversity, uh, different experiences and perspectives and focusing on inclusivity. As you can see, society uses a lot of words and phrases that are pretty controversial. What can we do to change this? Educate. Listen to our podcast uploaded every Monday to gather knowledge on mental health topics you may be too afraid to ask about. It's kind of scary to ask somebody, let's say, for example, Tourette's. One of my coworkers openly shares that she has Tourette's and she shares a lot of information about it, but it's still scary to ask about. So she's actually going to talk on our podcast so you can ask any of the questions that you may be wondering but too afraid to ask. If you or someone you know needs therapy, give Michigan Psychological Care a call. We have options for in-person and telemedicine counseling slash therapy. We have some pretty awesome guest speakers joining us in the next few weeks from topics of mental health and school systems, sex and intimacy issues, LGBTQ matters, to the movie Split. We are ready to have the conversations most people are too scared to talk about. Don't miss out. Click the follow and the bell button to get notified every time we post. Do you have any questions or suggestions? Feel free to contact me at lara.huckamacki at ccmcpsych.com. That's L-A-R-A dot H-A-K-A-M-A-K-I at ccmcpsych, dot com. We use lots of resources, such as the DSM-5 and the Mayo Clinic in this episode, but continue to send them our ways and shoot us any questions or suggestions. See you next week on Monday.